0: Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Come on, I'm happy to be with you here at church today. What a great day in the house of God, amen? Amen. Wow, what a powerful time of worship. I just whispered in James' ear. Man, James and Alana, thanks for leading our worship so well. Um, They've served... The church now, for almost three years, doing worship for us. James uh, 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 is James working a full-time job and also giving himself to that. And we're glad to announce that James is actually going to be transitioning, uh, uh, actually come on staff at the church as our worship pastor. And uh, that's so exciting. So we're really thrilled about that. And, uh, you know, um, if you are here and you have a worship gift, I want to encourage you to do something. Uh, uh, James and Alana are two people that uh, I personally... Uh, I would take a bullet for, the most loyal people I've ever met in my life, and um, I would happily serve them. And I want to encourage you today, if you have a, a gift for worship, a gift to sing, a gift to really lead, an instru- or play an instrument, or, or any, uh, any of those things, please come and talk to James and Alana and figure out how we can fit you in. Uh, we believe God's doing something great in our worship. We're going to the next level, and we want you to get in on it, and we believe you can play a great part in that. Amen? Today also, we start our 21 days of prayer and fasting, and uh, some of you say, I don't know what that is. Great, that's awesome, no big deal. Go to uh, lovecitychurch.ca forward slash 21 days, and you can actually just find a bunch of resources on what is fasting, is fasting for today? Um, what does it mean to fast, and what is prayer? And it actually gives you resources, and it gives you something called 15 minutes a day, where it helps you with that. And Bassey and I are gonna be giving daily videos, teaching on worship, Uh, And it's going to be super fun, and uh, so you can tune into that on our social media. But for the next 21 days, I want to encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what should I maybe give up? Maybe it's Netflix. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's a TV show. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's coffee or alcohol or maybe it's food or maybe it's who knows what it is. Uh, uh, Maybe it's talking to your your wife. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I would never fast that, honey. Never. You are the wind beneath my wings. I know. You seem to be fasting listening, though. Just kidding. Oh, snap. So today we're going to talk about healthy marriages. Just kidding. Well, come on. We're going to get into the Word today. We're going to continue our series. It's our second week on why the church. And we're talking about the church which has been around for uh, thousands of years. And many of you here today say, man, Ryan, I've never been to church or I've never been a part of church, so I don't have any history. And I'm very, you're very blessed. You don't know how blessed you are. Um, there's others here today say man i've had nothing but great experience which has been most of my journey mostly i mean i've had some uh maybe ugly experiences maybe like some of you have had and and uh you come here today and you have all sorts of perspectives about church and so the goal of this series is to kind of just give you the foundation of why why do we exist and so last week we recorded uh or we um uh, last week, you listened to the recorded uh, version of that online, uh, and we talked a little bit about that last week, and I really encourage you to go listen to it, because you might have never heard uh, that before, about how that God Jesus hates religion, just despises it. In fact, the only people he got ticked at in the Bible was the devil and religious folks. <laughs> and so and the church and religion, the idea of religion. So well, this is a, a, a church. The Church of Jesus Christ is 2,000 years old. It was God's idea. It was founded on the destruction of religion, and it was birthed uh, from a miracle of Jesus Christ being buried for three days and rising on the third day. So the church of Jesus Christ uh, is founded on a miracle, founded on a life-transforming miracle. And so that means today, if you're a part of the local church of Jesus Christ, that means where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. That where God is, there's freedom. Where the body of Christ is a healthy body of Christ, there's freedom freedom in your life. So you don't have to walk around in bondage. You don't have to walk around feeling like, man, life sucks and this isn't good and my marriage is falling apart and my finances are in disarray. Guess what? I've been there. I've done that. And when I gave my life to Jesus Christ and was a part of the local church and a part of the house of God, the life-giving power of Christ changed my life, changed my marriage, changed my future, and he wants to do the same thing for you. Amen? Amen. Well, come on. We're going to get into the next part today, our next purpose of the church. And, um, And we're going to talk about something that i think is actually one of the most difficult purposes for us as people um but how many of you know that relationships can be really really hard today was the first week of school and how many of you have kiddos going back to school anybody here i'm taking my glasses off so if you're raising your hand and i don't like look at you and act like i know you it's because i can't see you (laughs) my glasses are all fogged up and i don't want to clean them but you know, this is the first week of school. And my kids, we moved into Sundance last year. It's been a year yesterday our house sold and bought that house. It's been one year already. It's crazy. And we moved our kids to the new school uh, eight, eight minutes from our front door, which is such a blessing. Uh, and it's at Fish Creek uh, School, which is an amazing school. And... Um, and, you know, when we moved here, it's a big deal to take your kid. My daughter's been in her previous school, son, for five years, the friends and teachers. My wife still works there. And we made a decision that we're going to take their kids out and move into this new school. And so in our, in our journey, here's, here's them on their first day of school. On our journey, we thought to ourselves, okay, now Ezra, if you know my son, Ezra is going to do a killer job making friends. He's going to get in there, and he probably, the principal's probably going to hire him after a few days, because the kid just makes friends, you know? He just makes friends, like that. You walk in a room, and he's got buddies, you know? And so we were a little concerned about, about our little sissy Brea here, because Brea is a, is, a, is a very introverted, quiet young girl, and it takes her a little bit to, to make friendships. And so we were thinking, going into this, that it's going to be like, you know, Ezra's going to do awesome, and Brea's going to maybe be a little challenge to so partner with her a little bit. So I walk him to school, I walk him to school every morning, and I walk him to school, and uh, I brought Barry to her class, and we got there to the class. I said, Bray, I'm going to go take Ezra over to his class, which is around the other side of the school. Hang out here. I'll come back and spend the rest of my time with you. And so she's like, OK. And Ezra's like, let's go, Dad. Come on. Go to meet people. You know? So we go around the corner. And I, 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 um, I walk up there. And here, here's little, little Ezra, meets his teacher, Mr. Polsky. And he meets Mr. Polsky. And Mr. Polsky's a nice guy. And he was like, cool, I get a, I get a guy teacher. And he likes sports. And I hates the Cowboys, but he likes every other team. And like, <laughs> You know, he just is a good sports fan, and it's just like, oh, cool, I can relate to this guy, this is cool, okay? So I left, I left him there, and then I came back. And you know, Brea we're really concerned about here, and I come back, and Brea, I took a little side picture because she said it would be embarrassing, is standing next to this girl named Jessica. And I walk up, and I'm like, Brea, who's this girl? And she's like... Oh, Dad, she goes, Dad, this is Jessica. It's her first day here, too. She's, she just moved into the, the city as well. And this is so awesome, Dad. She just liked being. And now they are inseparable. They went to the lake this week together. They went and saw a movie at the lake this week together. We met their mom. They're going to find Jesus. Their whole family is going to get saved to be a part of our church. I mean, it's just like God just answered our prayers. It was fantastic. But then I went back to the other side to see Ezra. And as I walked him on the, on the, I'm sorry, on the second day we walked back, and Brea just walked up and said, okay, bye, Dad. I'm like, okay, sweetie, you want me to stay? No, just go away. You're embarrassing. You look weird. Your breast smells, and you've got a receding hairline. Okay, there we go. All right, okay. You're never going to school again. Take her over to Ezra's side, and we're standing there, and Ezra's having a really hard time. On the way to school, he's just talking all these negative thoughts. He's saying, Dad, I'm never going to make any friends. And Dad, I'm never going to do this. And I said, I stopped him and said, Son, you're a man of God. And you're an Iverson. And you're called of God. And come on, you, you got God's anointing on you. Speak life into your situation. Come on, you're going to make friends today. You know, I'm doing this whole pep talk, which I'm like, Oh, God, I want to make friends. You know. <laughs> so we get there, and we're standing there, off a little bit to the distance. And Ezra's just, no, this is not Ezra. And he walks up, there's all these kids there, and a little boy walks up to Ezra. And he walks up real close to him and I'm standing with him and he's got these big eyes on Ezra's chest. And he says, this boy says, I'm staring at my best friend. And I'm like, thank you, God. And Ezra's like, Dad, I have a best friend. And I'm like, yes, you have a best friend. And he goes, he gets a little bit closer and says, the the boy says, I'm staring at my best friend, don't move. And Ezra says, and the, the boy goes, seriously, don't move. My best friend's over there, and I'm staring at him. He's looking right through Ezra. And I was just like, you little punk. I want to push his face in the rocks and just kidding. I would never do that. And you're like, dang, that was really aggressive. I'm sorry. I was a little sincere on that when I did that. So the kid went away, and I just shoot him off. I said, well, go be friends with someone else, kid. And he walked away. And then there's another boy who was in our soccer team. And I said, oh, there's this boy, Go, you know, I was his coach, you know, we were undefeated, hello, undefeated, and I thought, well, you know, maybe he'll be cool, and he walks up and the boy didn't see me. And Ezra walks up to him and says, hey, hey, Tyler, and he looks at him and he goes, "He gave him this, like, disgusted look that you would even, even walk into my aura of existence. And Ezra just like, his, he just was deflated. I stood there and I wanted to shove his face in the rocks too. <laughs> but I, I realized at that moment that even when you're a child going to school, relationships are just so hard. There's so much culture and subculture, and there's so much in our society today that keeps people from really experiencing true, authentic relationship with one another. Isn't it interesting how sometimes the church can feel the same way? I don't know about you, but I've been in church environments where I've walked in, and the moment I walked in, I knew that I wasn't cool enough, or I wasn't smart enough, or I didn't know the lingo enough, or I didn't fit enough, and it was just this not enough feel. Have you ever felt that before? But I walk in a room, and instantly there's this this subculture of, I feel like I'm back on the school field, and the boy's walking up to me saying, I'm looking at my best friend, but he's really looking right through me. It's kind of like, you've probably seen this before. Steph, stand up for me real quick. It's like when you walk up to somebody, and you go to shake their hand, and they're, you know, they're like, hey, oh, hi. You know, you're looking through you. Have you seen that before? In a church, you ever gone, and so they're like looking right through you. Oh, it's good to see you. Hi, hi, hi. If I've ever done that to you, just trust me. I'm just trying to say hi to everybody. I love you (laughs) if I've ever done that. But sometimes in church, it can feel so difficult and challenging. But the the reality is, is that the only thing that you and I have in common in this room is Jesus. You all work different jobs. You all go to different places, different parts of the city. Some of you like different kinds of food. We have all different variations of who we are as people. And literally, here we are today in a packed room, and the only thing that brings us together, the one single thing, is the, is the name of Jesus Christ. That one idea of coming together in this environment, I want to talk to you today about the, one of the purposes of the church is to have life-giving, authentic, vulnerable, real Community. And we all wanna be supported, and we all wanna be a part of a family, and we all wanna be in, in an environment where, where we feel like we can be ourselves. There's a basic human need in every person in this room to want to be themselves, 100% themselves, with all of your garbage, with all of your hang-ups, with all of your wins and your failures, you, every single one of us here is craving a community where we can do life with one another, we can, we can just release uh, all of the, the preconceived ideas of what I need to be or how I need to dress or how I need to look, and I just get to finally be me. When the church started 2,000 years ago, the, the, what happened was is that they were, the, the, the disciples who were with Jesus were sitting in an upper room praying, believing that God was going to come, the Holy Spirit was going to come down. And when they did, the Holy Spirit came down and they were, they were filled with God's power, and they spoke, uh, they spoke in known tongues, meaning that they spoke in different languages like French and Spanish, and, and they, fo- they, they spoke in all these different languages and declared the greatness of God. And on that day, 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus Christ. So let, let's, let's look at this equation for a minute. The people of God gathered together, they were together, that's very clear in scripture, they were together, they were in unity, they were the body of Christ, they were the disciples of Jesus. The Holy Spirit moved, and when the Holy Spirit moved, the church started, and how the church started was exactly what we're gonna talk about today. So therefore, if we do a little bit of a biblical math, when the, the, the body of Christ is unified together, God's spirit moves, and true community is built. So when the body of Christ is in unity together, God's spirit moves, and true community is built in the house of God. And we see that when the Spirit of God moved, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church, it says in Acts chapter, 2, 42, 44, and 46, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Notice it says, all the believers were together. So all the believers were together and all the believers were were gathering as one and all the believers were together and they were doing these things together and the word there says they were devoted. That word is an interesting word. The word is actually to be steadfast, to never quit. So they were never they never quit being devoted. They were never stop being committed to being in fellowship and community with each other. They kept going. They never stopped. Look at this. They were faithfully committed to it. They continued in it with courage, with constant readiness, and constant perseverance. Actually, this word has a, even a different spin on it. We see it in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, 15. It says, You know that Stephanus and his household were the first of the harvest, They were the first to give their lives to Jesus uh, in Greece, and they are spending their lives in service to God's people. That phrase, spending their lives, literally means to be addicted to something. It means to 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 give yourself to a habit of doing something, to be fully addicted, like, I can't get enough, like, I can't stop, like... Whenever you have that craving for chocolate or coffee or maybe it's an unhealthy thing, that same kind of thought jumps in your mind and it tantalizes your your desires and you want to go do that thing, that addiction. This is a biblical, godly addiction. It says we should spend our lives addicted to having fellowship and community with one another. We have to be committed to it. We have to give ourselves to it. And it says that they're committed and they are addicted in service to God's people. So look at this phrase here. It says, and the, and, the, and the believers devoted themselves to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. That word fellowship there is the word, it means this, godly intimacy with one another. So they, they were addicted. They were committed. They never stopped being uh, constantly addicted to godly intimacy intimacy with one another now this is where many of us in our church experience comes to it comes almost to a stop we get into church but the moment we want to create that true community it requires a bit of intimacy it requires a little bit more of myself than I was willing to give <laughs> and the Bible is teaching us here that we actually have to be committed to this koinonia is the, is the Greek word fellowship community. We have to be committed to doing this together. So now that's kind of the the foundation of the rest of the message here today. I want to jump over for a moment to the book of Galatians. And the book of Galatians is written by Paul, and we're going to be in chapter 5. In Galatians chapter 5, we see that Paul was writing this letter to the church of Galatia, And the Church of Galatia started as a move of God and people were uh, becoming Christians and giving their life to Jesus. They were becoming disciples and followers of Christ. And as they gave their lives to God, the way that they gave their lives to God is they made a, a uh, a faith profession that Jesus Christ is Lord and they began to accept the salvation and the grace and the redemption of Jesus Christ into their lives simply by faith. There was nothing that they had to do to receive it. They didn't have to go to church to receive God's salvation. They didn't have to read their Bible to receive salvation. They didn't have to give their money. They didn't have to do anything. And when they started this journey, the journey of their faith was just faith in God, that it's a free gift for you. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter how far you've been, no matter how far gone you thought you were, the salvation of Jesus Christ is a free gift for you. And there's nothing you will do to deserve it. There's nothing you can do to work yourself into deserving it. It is a free gift for you. And the church of Galatia accepted that. But then something happened. The church started as a relationship with Christ, but then religion began to set in and the church began to teach, people in the church began to teach a religious idea, these religious thinking. And now they begin to work based on works of things that they did. And if I could do this and I do this and I do this, then I'll be in salvation. If I do this and do this and do this, then I can be accepted in the body of Christ. If I do this and I do this and I do this, then I can really uh, exemplify what it means to be a Christian and a follower of Jesus Christ and so the church actually began to move into a religious environment and something was off and Paul wrote this letter to address it and he wanted to keep them on track and the chapter that we're going to be in just for a few moments this morning is Galatians chapter 5 and those of you who aren't familiar with Galatians chapter 5 it's the scripture where Paul begins to teach the church about what it means to live by the Spirit He talks about what it looks like to give your flesh, to to invest yourself into your flesh. The fruits of your flesh look like this. And he says, and this is what it looks like to have the fruits of the Spirit. When you invest yourself and you're led by the Spirit of God, these are the fruits that you receive in your life by letting God lead your life rather than you leading your life. And he began to talk about what it looked like to be a Spirit-led, in sync with the Spirit type of church. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to be a Spirit-led, in sync with the steps of the Holy Spirit kind of church. I don't want to be a church where we don't have to try hard at all. We don't have to try. God's Spirit is here because we are doing the things that God's asked us to do to create an environment where the Spirit of God is welcome. And the church here began to stray from that. And Paul wanted to bring them back to the place that he believed they needed to be in order to experience a move of the Spirit. I'm going to say that again, and I want you to hear me. In order for our church to experience a move of the Holy Spirit, we have to do these things. We have to consider what this verse is saying. Now, I know that's interesting in the context of me saying you don't have to do anything, but I hope you know what I mean in that we can look at the things that we're looking at today and understand that if we continue down the journey that God has us on as a church, the Holy Spirit's going to be welcome in this place, and He's going to move in your life, and He's going to transform your heart. He's going to give you a great community and a great relationship. Let's read this together in Galatians chapter 5. It says this, Now since we've chosen to walk with the Spirit, let's keep each step in perfect sync with God's Spirit. This will happen when we set aside our self-interests and work together to create true community instead of a culture consumed by provocation, pride, and envy. So here, Paul says, okay, if you want to keep in sync with my spirit, if you want to be a part of a healthy church that that you know it's healthy and there's fruit that's healthy, if you want to be a church that's led by God's spirit, this is what needs to happen. This is the things that need to be happening in your church. I want to be in sync with God's spirit. I want to be in sync with God's step, not my own steps. Now, this is what he says. He says, this will happen when When we set aside our self-interest. Now, Paul is talking from an Eastern mindset. I I was at my favorite coffee shop this week, and I'm not going to tell you where it is because I don't want to see you there. I'm just kidding. I love you, but it's my spot. (laughs) Stay away. It's a little far away from me, but it's got Wi-Fi. It's got amazing coffee, amazing food, amazing people, and I love it very much. And I I go there not very often, but when I do, it's also a, a euphoric promised land experience. So I'm there, and I'm ordering my coffee, and this girl's there, and she's a really nice girl, and she's helping me get the coffee, and I, she's got an accent, and I ask her. I say, hey, where are you from? You got an accent. She goes, well, I'm actually from Italy. I said, oh, my fam- my wife's family's from Italy. They're from Reggio Calabria. And she says, oh, yeah, I'm from Reggio Calabria. I said, yeah, they're from Occhio, down across from Sicily. Yeah, my family's just right around the corner. We start talking, and we start talking about our culture. And I start saying, hey, how long did it, when did you stop kissing people? Because, you know, they kissed on the right to the left. When did you stop kissing people? She's like, so many people have given me roses, and I don't know why. And I'm like, well, it's because you're kissing people, and we don't do that here. You know, I just talk about all this different culture. And I just said, tell me what's the big difference for you? And she goes, honestly, at home, you know, we don't, it's not a very nice place We don't have very much. We don't have a lot of things. She said, but what we do have is we have family and friends and we're together and we eat together and we spend time together and we're always together. She goes, honestly, when I came here, all I feel is that everybody's so individualistic. Everybody's so like centered on their own world and their own life. And family's not a priority. And it's very much very me-centered. And she goes, and I just took me so long to get used to that, that people here don't want to be together all the time. See, that is an Eastern thinking. That's a that's a, a thinking of, of the, the place in which the, the Church of Galatia was. That was a thinking where we would spend all of our waking moments together. We would live together. We would do everything together. And there's nothing wrong with that. If those of you in the room who do do that, that's awesome. But for most people, that's not our Eastern, that's our Western way of thinking is very individual. We all have our own self-interest. And I want you to know today, that is not bad. It's not bad to have self-interest. It's not bad to to want things a certain way. Listen, I hate Tim Hortons. It looks like a cafeteria, it's always cold, the wi fi is terrible, and the coffee sucks. Why would I like that? Unless they're giving me free donuts, there's no way I'm going in there. That's my self-interest. I'd rather go to this nice coffee shop that's got nice this and nice, it's just my own personal preference. So therefore, when you come in the room today, we want you to know, we want you to be comfortable and we want to make sure that there's nothing that hinders you from getting into God's presence and we want to make sure that our music's good and our preaching's good. We want to make sure that our groups are good and our teams, the team nights are good. We want to make sure that you are having a great experience and experiencing your self interests are being are being uh, encouraged. I, I want you to know that that is actually good. You've got to actually like the church you go to, that's really important. But eventually, if it only is based on your self-interest and and nothing more than that, it moves into a consumer culture that is based on your self-interest. And I'm not. It's not from me. It's from Paul. Look what Paul says. He says in this verse. He says this will create this. Culture based on self-interest creates a culture consumed by provocation, pride, and envy. This word provo- uh, this word, pride here is an interesting word. It actually means self-promotion. It actually means exaggerated self-image. So when I walk into, when, it, when there's an environment where there's self-interest are my highest priority, eventually what happens is, is that we begin to project the better us or the self-image that we want everyone to see when in reality we're broken inside, we're hurting inside, we're addicted, we're wounded, we're upset, we're angry, we're disillusioned with God, we're disillusioned with the church, we're disillusioned with people. And I want you to know today that when we project ourselves, the better version of ourselves in the body of Christ, it's actually a form of pride. Because really in God's house, what he wants from you is he wants you to know that this is the place where you can be the most you. This is the place. Listen, look what this verse says. God opposes the proud, but look at this. He offers grace to the humble. So if you ever walk into a context like this where you feel like you need to project the better you, I want you to stop for a minute and realize it's actually not really when we are not here. See, what we want to create is a vulnerable environment. If you spend any time with me, you'll know. I'm not afraid to tell you that I was addicted for years. I'm not afraid to tell you that my wife and I had marriage problems in the middle of our marriage and she's faithful enough to stay with me. I'm not afraid to tell you that sometimes I get a little bit angry and sometimes I say words I shouldn't say, Jesus forgive me. I'm not afraid to tell you that when I drive I get a little bit angry. I'm not afraid to tell you that sometimes, guys, I go three or four days without reading my Bible. Sorry, Bassy. I got to tell you, I don't spend every hour, every day in prayer. I got to tell you, I am human. I am vulnerable. I'm real. I'm broken. I'm in need of God. Sometimes I struggle. Sometimes I have a hardship. Sometimes I can't make it through the day without the feelings of depression and anxiety coming over me. Anxiety lives right here most of my life. I'm saying this to you today, not to feel bad for me, but to tell you, I don't know where you've been, but here in this Love City Church context, you get to be you. You don't have to project a better image. You don't have to act like you've got it all together. You don't have to act like you're holier than thou. Because I'm here to tell you, God opposes that. And that's why, when you go to church and you want to fit in and you project the better you, that's why, man. Why can't I experience the presence of God? And why can't I seem to connect? And why, everywhere I go, does it feel like I'm not accepted? It's because you're not being the real you. You got to stop for a moment and recognize that. I bet if we took a tally in this room, by a raise of hands, don't do it, but by a raise of hands, how many of you struggle with anxiety? I bet the hands will go. Bam! And by hands in the room, how many of you struggle with depression? Bam, by hands in the room. How many of you struggle with, with, with difficulty in your marriage? Bam. If How many of you struggle with pornography or struggle with alcohol or struggle with gambling or struggle with lusting or struggle with too much TV or struggle with watching this or doing that? Maybe you're here today and say, man, that's me. Guess what? We are free to be us because there's not a single person in this room. The only time pride exists is when, I'm going to say this, the leadership allows self-righteousness. And as the pastor, my wife and I, pastoring this church, we hate religion. Religion tells you you have to look the part. Religion tells you that you have to look a certain way and act a certain way and be a certain way. And all we need to be is humble, broken people that need Jesus. And I'm trying to make it day by day. I'm just trying to make it to tomorrow, God. I just need you in my life, God. I'm struggling in this way and I'm struggling in that way. If you're trying to Promote a self-image of yourself that is not the true you. It's pride, and God opposes that. Yes, that's right. I spend a lot of time with people, and one of the main issues that I see with people who go from church to church is they think that the issue is with the church, when in reality, the issue is with you. Wow. Wow. And I mean that with love today, not to offend you. The reason I say that to you today is because I want you to know that in this environment, you don't have to do that anymore. You get to be you. <laughs> how freeing. Right. It's good. With how you look, with how you act, how you walk, how you talk from your culture. You get to be you. That is what the body of Christ is supposed to look like. When you say, man, I got problems. We say, ah, oh, good, so do I. Get in line. <laughs> I need counseling. So do I. I cancel myself today. <laughs> look at this. Paul, for grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so the power of Christ can work through me. What? God, I want your power in my life. I want your power in my life, God. Okay, spend some time in community admitting your errors of wrong and your sin and your struggles. And guess what? That's where my power shows up. God's power is going to show up when you're in a group and you finally come clean. I've told you this many times, a time when I was a young man and I confessed addiction to pornography and I was among 30 of my peers and I raised my hand. I said, guys, I'm struggling with an addiction to pornography. And like 29 guys said, me too. The only other guy I don't even think he's ever knew how to be on a computer before. The rest of them were like, me too. And it was like that vulnerability confession brought freedom to people to say, yes, me too. That is the church of Jesus Christ. That is what God came to build. That is what he wants. You to be you with all your problems and your issues and not be put together that's why when you hang out with me you're like wow this guy's not that cool (laughs) this guy's not that holy (laughs) what it's because we don't uh admire the self-righteousness of a man we admire the man jesus christ and we put him above every man And no person in this room is the model of what Jesus Christ should look like. And no person in this room is higher, more righteous than the other person. Every person in this room is on the same playing field, all trying to know God more. Yes, I was trained in the Bible, and I've been a pastor for 17 years, so I might know a little bit about the Bible. But hey, guess what? You probably know some stuff I don't know, so let's learn together. Let's grow together. Let's go on this journey together. So come on, let's break down the walls of hostility, the walls of pride. Because what pride does, pride actually leads to something else. And I want just, to just, this last thought here, look what Jesus said in John 3, 21. Oh, I love this. Those who love the truth will come out in the light and welcome its exposure, for the light will reveal that their fruitful works were produced by God. I'm going to say a radical statement. If you don't allow yourself to be vulnerable, you're not allowing the ministry of Jesus in your life. So if you get into a group or you get into an environment of community and you're all just talking about the weather, Jesus is not there. (laughs) I mean, he's there, you know, he's omnipresent, but it's ministry. He wants to come. That's why I sat with a guy this week. I never, I like barely talked much with him. And I sat down and said, tell me about this, this, this. He goes, whoa, you get right in. I'm like, bro, let's get there, bro. Let's just do it. I don't want to talk about the weather today. I want to get into the, the, the real stuff. I want to see the ministry of Jesus at work in your life. So we need to admit the fact that, hey God, I need your light to expose my darkness. But the only way that to be done is in community, because what happens is, is if we begin to promote a, a self-expression of ourselves, it creates an unhealthy competition for others. So then this is called a subculture, and this is, this is nasty in church, and I think God doesn't like it very much. I've been in churches like this before, and Lord willing, we don't have that here. I don't think we do, but I've been in environments where I walk in and you can feel subculture. Where, man, I gotta, I, it's like when I go through Shidduch Mall. <laughs> I walk down the halls of the and I think, man, my clothes are old. <laughs> I need to go shopping. Did you know that spirit? There's something about that. Yeah. Sometimes I walk into a church environment and farm, I'm like, oh, shoot, I better dress better. Oh, shoot, I better act better. Oh, man, that guy, ooh, I got I to raise my game. There's this actually unhealthy competition that what it does is it causes us to eventually want to not be thankful and happy with who we are. We want to start being like that person. And so we start, oh, that must be more godly to dress like that or to talk like that or to live like that. Man, man, they live their life like that and that's their rhythm of life. That looks really godly. So, oh, man, like, and they're just projecting their, their better self. And you're like, oh, I want to be. There's an unhealthy competition that comes with that. And it creates a subculture where everyone's trying to outdo one another because we want to be better and outdo each other. And oh, it creates this environment when this church is built on rest. You just get to be you and dress like you dress. You like to dress hip and cool? Do that. You like to dress in your pajamas? I encourage you not to come to church in your pajamas, but hey, if that's your thing, go ahead. (laughs) Please don't, but go ahead. (laughs) That provocation, that pride, leads to competition, and that competition leads to something that's really nasty envy. This is called the sin of comparison. This is really nasty because Theodore Roosevelt said, comparison is the thief of joy. This, this envy steals your joy. This envy causes you to forget how great God is in you. This envy ca- causes you to stop engaging others. It keeps you from being in a relationship. And remember, if you're comparing yourself to someone's strength, then you are comparing yourself to God's grace, which he wants to give to you. And so this is, An unhealthy religious church environment when we are always about projecting our better self, and it leads to an environment where we're all trying to outdo each other, and in reality, one of two things happens. You walk into that environment, and either A, you say, I'm gonna rise to the occasion, and I'm gonna do more, look better, act better, better than everybody else just because that's the culture or you come in and you stand back and you don't think that you're very good and you stand in the back and you say, I could never do this and I could never do that and I could never engage, I could never be involved, I could never do those things because I'm not as good as that person. That is an unbiblical culture. We do not want that here. We want what this scripture says here in this verse. It says that it will happen when we work together to create true community with one another. This takes effort, guys. This takes work on your part. I want, you, I, want to, I want to debunk a myth here today. There's a myth that it's the pastor's job to keep community in the church. That's not my job. That's your job. Yeah. Yeah. It's not my job to meet with every single person here and make sure you're happy with the church. It's your job to be in community with one another. Right. Here, let me read this uh, quote by John Wesley. North American individualism has emphasized a personal relationship with God to the point that many people who call themselves Christians think community, walking together in life-to-life, accountability is optional. But intentional Christian community is a non-negotiable part of being a healthy and effective believer. Christianity is not a religion for solitude and solitary. The Bible knows nothing of solitary religion. Look at the scripture in John 13, 34. Jesus is sitting around with his disciples. He's about to be crucified. He's having a meal with them, having communion with them. He starts to talk about how he's going to go be crucified and how he's going to rise on the third day. And then he says this amazing verse, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Notice the word command So this is my command. This is Jesus talking. I actually am commanding you. And the second is the word new. That's a crazy word. That word actually means unusual. It means strange. It means odd. It means impractical. It means unprecedented. It means that it's so beyond your normal thinking. It's this unprecedented, odd, impractical, uncommon, unheard of command that he's about to give us. Jesus knows that this is not in your normal nature to want to do this. Jesus knows that there's people in this room you just don't like. I don't like doing, I'm using this example. You, I, I do like this, but I don't like rock climbing or I don't like going to coffee or I don't like this or I don't like that. I, I don't like those things. You never were told to like each other. You were told to love each other. Yeah. And Jesus here is giving this unprecedented command where he says, love one another. Now notice, Jesus is not talking about loving people who don't know Christ. He's talking about disciples, loving disciples. And the most powerful part of this verse is the second part. "Is I have loved you, you must love other people in your church. What did Jesus do? Jesus endured. He was rejected. He was mistreated. When jesus was mistreated in the church he forgave when jesus was rejected he found he found himself in the father when jesus was wronged he loved when jesus was beaten he forgave when jesus allowed people to crucify him he didn't fight jesus loved unconditionally without question without ever questioning the reality of his love, it was unconditional, it was unfathomable, it was as far as the east is from the west, he loves us unconditionally, and Jesus here is saying that it's our responsibility to create an environment where we love one another with our whole lives, where we lay our lives down for one another in such a way, where we say I get to be me, 100% me, and I love you even though I don't always like you, And in the same way that nothing will ever change the love of Jesus Christ for you, Jesus now says, now look at this verse. Look what we're gonna look at next. (laughs) This is, we say, Ryan, what about the lost? and What about lost people? Well, guess what? When the Spirit of God is in a place, there is organic community where you can be yourself. When the Spirit of God is not in a place, we often think, man, it must be the worship. The the reason God's not moving is because the worship's not good or the preaching's not good or the kids' ministry isn't good. No, no, no. It's because we have a subculture in churches that allows pride, provocation, and envy. And we encourage it and we create it. And God is saying here, you have to create the opposite. You have to create a community of vulnerability and honesty and reality where you love one another unconditionally and you do life together consistently and you don't stop and you're devoted to it and you're addicted to it and you never give up and you keep giving in. Could you consider for one moment that you never have to go to another church again other than ours? <laughs> Can you imagine that God would have you here until he asked you to leave, but God would have you here for a long time because you are a part of creating this vulnerable environment. You're the first one to put your hand in the air and say, okay, I got the problems in my life. I'm going to start this creation. Look what this verse says. <laughs> By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. By this, By this reality, every atheist and every Catholic and every Muslim and every Mormon and every Christian, every American, every European, every person on the planet will know this is the biggest way for us to reach people is that when people look at our community and say, you mean I get to just be me? And by this, the whole world will know this is the church of Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God is here on September 23rd we're launching our groups ten years ago the Lord gave me this vision this dream ten years ago before we started the church two and a half years ago so seven years before this the Lord spoke to my heart and said Ryan I, I want to give me a strategy on how we can reach the whole city of Calgary and how we can grow large as a church and reach thousands of people, but still be small enough to where we're experiencing life on life, body ministry, pastoral ministry, water baptisms, babies being dedicated, salvation happening in people's homes, helping people move, vacationing together, reaching our community. And it doesn't have to happen in a a big church location. It happens right where you live, in your community, right there. It happens weekly, it happens regularly, we study the Word together, we pray together, we help each other in times of need, we help each other when things aren't good, we go to counseling, help partner with people to counseling. We are are the body of Christ. It's not my wife and I's job to be the body. We are just a part of the body. Your job and my job is to do body ministry together. So if you want to go past a church where you're in self-interest, and you wanna go into a real church experience where you could be here for 20, 30, 40 years, your kids, kids, kids could be here, this is the strategy by which the Lord wants us to do this, where we gather on Sunday, we celebrate, we bring lost people, we experience the word of God, our kids are pastored and mentored, hear about Jesus, become warriors for Christ and see revival in young people's lives. And then we go back to our home and the Bible says home to home, they broke bread, they shared, they prayed, they were together, that's what we want to model. These groups start On September 23rd. The next two weeks are gonna be our sign-ups on the 15th and the 22nd. We're just finalizing some stuff. We're finalizing where they are, but our heart would be to have one in every single community in the city of Calgary, where people say they're growing, they're changing, they're experiencing God, and experiencing the presence of Jesus in a vulnerable and a real environment. And this is what I want to encourage you today. Today is only a third of what we do. Being in a house, in a church in a house somewhere that is another third of what we do the other third we do is we reach people through missions and church planting and we do all sorts of things but I want you today to consider how can you be a part of a group this year and get into that community amen will not you stay with me this morning thank you for giving me your time today next week we're going to continue our journey in why the church would you close your eyes just for just one moment here this morning and I'll let you go we're just going to do this pretty quick because of time. But just close your eyes today. You're here today. For what I always ask two questions. First question is this. You've had a bad experience, and maybe today you've got your hands up in self-protection, in fear that you're going to get hurt again. Come on, you're waiting for that gotcha moment where things are going to fall apart. <laughs> and so it's kept you from stepping in. It's kept you from, from engaging in real community. It's kept you. You've been hurt and wounded maybe in the church. Come on, with every eye closed. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I promise you there's not an eye closed in this place. I want you to be free to lift your hand just for two seconds. I want to see who I'm praying for. If that's you today, say Ryan, you know what? I want to, I want to I want to admit this vulnerably out loud with my hand lifted, and I want to believe that today I'm gonna go on a new journey in the house of God. Come on, if that's you today, would you put your hand in the air? Say, Ryan, that's me. I've just been experiencing something in my life, and I want to go on this new journey. Come on, real quick. Come on, hands all across the room. Yeah, that's fantastic. Come on, anybody else? Hand in the air. I just want to pray for you. I'm not gonna call you forward. Come on, anybody else today. Come on, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray for these people, Lord. Lord, we know that sometimes people suck. (laughs) People make mistakes. People fall short. And God, we know your church, though, your church is your idea. And I pray for the people in the room today, God, who've been hurt by church, been hurt by people, been hurt in relationship. They've been searching for a house, searching for a place. Everywhere they go, they feel like they have to protect themselves and put up their guard. Lord, I pray they would know today that they're in a house of vulnerability. They're in a house of honesty. They're in a house of authenticity. And that today, God, together we can go the journey to see God, not only see our lives and our families transform, but God, the city of Calgary. And I pray today, God, that you would give them the courage and the strength to put their hands to their side and go on a journey shoulder to shoulder with the people in this room. Come on, last question today, if you're here today. You say, Ryan, I don't know Jesus. I'd like to go on a journey with Him today. I'd like to start a relationship with Him. I want to be a part of this community. If that's you today, come on, I want you to put your hand in the air on the count of three. Say, Ryan, I would like to become a follower of Jesus Christ today. Come on, on the count of three. One. Come on, every eye closed. Come on, one two, three. Come on, anybody in the room today, put their hand in the air and say, I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ today. Come on, anybody else? Come on, amen. Anybody else? Come on, put your hand in the air today if you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on, church, repeat after me real quick. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today. I need you. I want you in my life. I commit myself to you. I pray today that you would transform my heart. I want to go on a journey with you. In Jesus' mighty name,